So I have the correct Sunday School lesson in front of me this time. This week we are doing the sacrifice of Isaac. Abraham sac sacrifices Isaac. And we're going to concentrate on Genesis 22. The lesson book also includes Genesis 21. But we had that last week or the week before with the story of um, Isaac being born. And, and so I'm not going to go back and redo that one. But just focus on Genesis 22. God chose Abraham. God called him out of the land of his fathers. God called him away from the foreign gods that Abraham's fathers had served. God gave to Abraham the promise that he would be the one through whom the Messiah would come and that his descendants would be great and, and fill the land. God chose Abraham by his grace. God created the faith in Abraham. And we've been watching as over the years, God not only created that faith in Abraham, but strengthened it again and again and again. He built up that faith in Abraham until the point where Abraham is able by faith. This What happens in our story today isn't because of Abraham. It's not because of how great or how strong Abraham is by himself, but it's because of the strength of the faith that the Lord gave to Abraham. We might go back and wonder, well, why did God wait so long to fulfill his promise to give Abraham a son, namely Isaac? We know that Abraham was a hundred before he had Isaac, and from the time that God promised to give a, a child, a son, to Abraham until the time that God actually fulfilled that promise was a 25 years. It was a long time that Abraham had to wait. And we might think, well, well, why did God wait so long? Why didn't he just give that son right away? But looking back on it now, we can see how God used that time to build up Abraham's faith. Uh, there were many times when Abraham doubted that promise, but God kept coming back to Abraham and reminding him of that promise and, and testing his faith so that it was built up so that now when Abraham sees the promise fulfilled, uh, his faith is quite strong. And now, when we get to the story today where God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his faith is strong enough to do what God asks, despite what a terrible thing it sounds like that God is asking, uh, despite that this is, this is Abraham's only son. And so we see how God, uh, sometimes through difficult and through trials, strengthens us and builds us up in faith uh, so that we might learn to trust him and even to serve him. Uh, Isaiah talks about God refining us with fire, refining us as gold, refining us as silver. And of course, you refine a precious metal like gold or silver, it goes into the fire and a very, very hot fire as well so that the dross is consumed and burnt away and only the, the pure gold is left. That's a it's a painful process uh, to go through that smelting, to go through that fire uh, so that that which is weak in us, that which is sinful in us is burnt up. But it, it turns us in, it, through that process, God turns us into to something better, something that he can use, uh, something that can serve him. And certainly we, we see that with Abraham. God gives us faith in Jesus our Savior as well, and he often tests and and molds us into the people he wants us to be as well. Maybe not to the same degree that Abram had to go through, but in many other ways as well. And so we should learn not to get angry or upset uh, when God sends troubles or trials in our life, but learn to accept them and to trust God so that God can use them to build us up in faith as well. 
Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. God tested Abraham. It's important to understand the difference between a test and a temptation. The, the book of James reminds us that God does not tempt anyone, nor is God tempted by evil. But God does test us. And sometimes the methods that God uses to test us, they are the same that Satan used to tempt us. But the goal is very different. And that's really the difference between testing and temptation. If somebody is tempting us, their goal is to get us to sin. They want us to sin. If somebody is testing us, they want us to succeed, right? When a teacher gives a test to their students, if they're a good teacher, their goal is not to create misery and, and make the students suffer and they're not sitting there hoping the students fail. They want the students to succeed and the test itself is one of the, a, a tool that a teacher can use to really, really helps a lot to, for the students to really learn uh, the material that they're supposed to be learning because it really forces the student to focus on it and and learn it well and even even the, when we fail in testing you know you get a test at school and even if you fail you almost learn more when you fail uh you you make a mistake and then you go through it afterwards with the teacher and oh you got that wrong uh that's often what you got wrong is often permanently implanted in your brain you got it wrong once you're not going to get it wrong again and we've seen that in the life of abraham as well that god has tested abraham over and over and sometimes abraham goes through the test okay and sometimes abraham fails the test ishmael is a good example of how abraham failed the test he, he gave up on god's promises but even in the failure god came to abraham and reassured him called him back to faith and even strengthened him in that faith abraham waited for 25 years for the promise he many, many times doubted it, but now he's learned. Now he's learned not to doubt God, that God will fulfill his promises. And that sure and certain faith of Abraham is what allows him to get through the test that's before us today. So God says to Abraham, and Abraham immediately says, here I am. And there you see Abraham's faith in action. He doesn't say, well, uh, maybe you should... Tell me what you want before I before I say who I am. You can imagine when uh, you get spam calls on your phone or so, someone if you answer your phone and somebody says, "Oh, is this Matt Udy?" I'm tempted to say, "Ask them what they want before I confirm whether it's me or not." But Abraham doesn't do that. He's ready at God's command. Whatever God wants, here I am. He may not have been quite so ready if he knew what God was about to say, but nevertheless, he says, "Here I am, waiting to hear God's command." Verse two. Then he, God, said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Notice how God emphasizes uh, your son, your only son, whom you love. That's part of the test, right? And it may sound like God's being extra cruel here, like you only have one son and I'm going to demand him of that I'm going to demand that son that you, you give him to me. And that's even extra cruel because you've been waiting for him for so long. So it may seem like God is being extra cruel here. But by emphasizing that it's Abraham's only son, he's really giving Abraham the strength he needs, the word of God that he needs to make it through this test. Because 
Abraham knew the promise of God. Abraham knew that the promise of God, that through his seed there would be this great mighty nation, uh, that through his seed would come the promise of the Messiah. This was his only son. The nation must come through him. The Messiah must come through him. And so by emphasizing your only son, God's really saying to Abraham, uh, you know, you stop and think about it. You know that Isaac is not going to remain dead. And the book of Hebrews tells us that Abraham did understand that. That Abraham sacrificed Isaac knowing that God had to bring him back from the dead. Because God's promise was that this nation would come through Isaac, that the Messiah would come through Isaac, and Isaac didn't have any children yet. So Isaac could not remain dead. And that's how great Abraham's faith was in God, that he expected God to raise Isaac from the dead after he was killed. Now, of course, we know that uh, he didn't actually kill Isaac, but uh, figuratively, he did receive Isaac back from the dead because he was ready to kill him. He thought of him as being dead. He was about to kill him, and yet he, he did not kill. He lived. So uh, Abraham's faith is, is justified there. God's promise is justified. But the other reason, that the other important reason, when God says, take now your son, your only son, whom you love. You could have the kids look up John 3.16 and compare the two. Who's the other father who has an only son whom he loves, right? And you look at John 3.16, the only begotten son, the only son of the father. That's Jesus Christ, uh, whom God loves. And so uh, this emphasizing of your only son whom you love is makes of Isaac a type of Christ. He is, Isaac is a, is a symbol, is a, a picture of the, the son that was to come later, the son of the father, whom the father was going to give up for the sake of the world. Uh, Abraham is being asked to give up his only son just as God the father is going to give up his only son. And so Isaac is, is a picture of Christ. And that's so important. In the founding, Abraham is the founding father of the nation that God is going to call his people, the nation whose job it is to keep the word of God, uh, to protect the promise, the nation through whom the Messiah would come. And so right away here, even in the founding of that nation, we have one of the most vivid pictures of the Messiah who is to come. The nation is, is founded on that picture of Christ to, so that the, the nation from the very beginning is looking forward to that coming of Christ and knows about who he is, knows some of who he is anyway, uh, from this picture, this picture that Isaac is from the very beginning. So he is the only son of Abraham. Verses 3 through 6. So Abram rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place, excuse me, and saw the place afar off. And Abram said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. It's important, and a lot of commentators make the observation that the wood... Oh, sorry, I haven't gotten that far yet. Verse 6. So Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. So the wood, which is obviously a much greater burden, a, great, a much heavier burden than just carrying a, a pot with some coals in it and a knife, 
is Isaac is the one carrying it, which very much implies that Isaac is the stronger. And that's not surprising, right? Because Abraham is something like 120 years old. Isaac is a young man in his prime, 20 years old. Uh, obviously, Isaac is the younger, or it's the stronger of the two. Uh, but that's going to become important later on because how is it that Abraham tied or bound Isaac to the altar? Uh, Isaac must, to some degree, have been willing to follow his father's command. Otherwise, Abraham never would have overpowered him and got him on there. And so we see the faith not only of Abraham, but we also see the faith of Isaac. Uh, the, he's, he's carrying the wood, he's the stronger, and yet he doesn't balk at his father's command, uh, but listens to his father and also trusts God. Verses 7 to 8. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Kids always ask the most difficult questions, right? And you think that everything's good and your kids come up with uh, questions. You're like, Oh, don't ask that. Uh, so Isaac asks a very, oh yeah, I mean, okay, we got the wood and, and the fire, where's the burnt offering? Uh, Abram replies, God will provide, and that's going to be, come back and be important later on too uh, afterwards, so it's important to make note of that, that response, God will provide. Now, the question here is, is Abraham lying? Is he purposely deceiving Isaac? He knows that Isaac is supposed to be the sacrifice. So is he, is he kind of lying here when he says, well, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering? No, he's not. Because Abraham, again, it comes back to that faith, that trusting God. Abraham knows that God is going to work this out. He knows that God is going to provide a way. He knows that Isaac is going to leave that mountain alive. Abraham thinks that Isaac is going to die and maybe come back from the dead, but he knows that Isaac is going to leave that mountain alive because God's, because of God's promise, because God had made that promise that through Isaac, the descendants would become a great nation. Uh, obviously, if, if we were to do something like this without God's promise, we would have no reason to think that our child would come back from the dead um, because we don't have a promise from God that our, <laughs> our children are going to become a great nation. But Abram had that promise, and so he knew that God would provide Something, something would be provided uh, so that Isaac would not remain dead. And so Abraham, he's, this is a statement of faith there by Abraham. He trusts that God is going to provide another way. He doesn't know what way it's going to be, but he knows that God is going to work it out. Uh, verses 9 to 12. Then they came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So again, it didn't work out the way Abram thought. Abram thought, Hebrews tells us that Abram thought, 
Isaac was going to be raised from the dead. He thought Isaac was going to die and then God was going to raise him from the dead. It didn't work out the way Abraham was thinking, but it did work out. His faith was justified. Uh, God does not let down those who trust in his promises. And God often in our lives as well, he doesn't, when he works out his promises, when he's with us, when he answers our prayers, very often he answers them in ways we're not expecting. We, we have a certain idea in our mind of the way that it should go, and God sometimes does it a different way. Sometimes it's a, a much better way. Sometimes we ask for one thing and God gives us something much better. Sometimes it's just different, but it, it's the way that God knows is best. And so Abraham came, as again, as Hebrews tells us, expecting his son to, to die and rise again. And well, no, the Lord did it a different way. He stopped Isaac from even being sacrificed. And do not lay your hand on the child, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. You remember way back in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve sinned against God, and Adam especially sinned against God because he cared more about the thing than the creator, didn't he? Adam was not deceived. Adam was not tempted. He knew exactly what he was doing, but he did it because Eve, his wife, gave him the fruit. And he ate it from her. And the implication there is that Adam would rather follow Eve into sin than to live in the garden, to live with God without her. He chose the created thing over the creator. He loved the gift more than the giver, which is not right and not good. Uh, we ought to recognize that all good things come from God. And, and instead of loving the thing, we should love the one who gave it. And so this is the first commandment. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And Martin Luther very correctly says, what does this mean? We should fear and love God. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. I'll put him first in our life always. And Abraham by faith does that. Abraham didn't always do it. Abraham was a sinner like us. He sometimes failed to trust and love God above all things. But here in this account, uh, he did it by the grace of God, by the strength of the faith that God had given to him. And so he becomes, as we know him today, the father of, of those who believe in Jesus Christ. He becomes the father of all believers. And Abraham is rightly looked to as the example of what it means to have faith in God. Because here he goes and he's willing at God's command, trusting in God's promise, he's willing even to sacrifice uh, his own son fulfilling the first commandment he's not saved because he he fulfilled the first commandment god doesn't say because you did this now you are righteous right we saw that way back that uh god abram believed god and the faith because of the faith it was accounted to him for righteousness uh, through jesus christ by faith uh, abraham was justified by god so it's not his work here that gives him the righteousness of christ but his work here does show him, the good work he does here, the trust that he places in God, does show that faith. That faith of Abraham shines vibrantly uh, in this account that Abraham is willing even to give his son trusting in God's promise. Verses uh, 13 to 14. Then Abram lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Then Abram called the name of the place, The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. 
So notice I told you before that that answer that Abram gave to Isaac would come back and is such an important part of the story. Here in this mountain, the Lord will provide. Well, first, let's go back a second. Uh, God did provide a sheep, a lamb in place of Isaac, a ram. A ram is, of course, a male sheep. So it, it is a sheep. It's just a male sheep, a ram caught in the thicket. God provided that in place of Isaac. Now, Isaac is a picture of Christ because Isaac is Abram's only son, just as Jesus is God's only son. Uh, Isaac was offered up as a sacrifice, just as Jesus would be offered up as a sacrifice. But this lamb that was caught in the thicket is also a picture of Christ. Everything in this account is a picture of Christ. It's just Christ, 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 all over the place. That's why it's such a great story. So here the sheep also is a picture of Christ because uh, the sheep is the is is the sacrifice in place of Isaac. Isaac doesn't have to die because the, the sheep is offered up instead, just as Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes our place. Just as this, this lamb took uh, Isaac's place, Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes our place. And so you can have your kids look up John 1 36, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, so this ram here is a picture of Christ as well. And now we get to this, the Lord will provide. Uh, this the name of the place. Now this is the very place, the very place where Jesus also was crucified. You notice how God, he doesn't just tell Abraham to go sacrifice his son wherever he wants or on any mountain, but God has a specific mountain in mind. And this is why, because this is the place, the very spot where Jesus, many, 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 many years later, would also be sacrificed. And so that name that Abraham gives the place takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? What is it that the Lord would provide in this very place? Abraham calls it the place where the Lord will provide. And the thing the Lord provides in this very place is the thing we need more than any other, the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, who would redeem us and take away our sins. And so Abraham says, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Notice that uh, Abraham is looking forward. He's not just talking about, Abraham understands, apparently, because he's not just talking about what happened to Isaac. He doesn't say, in the mount of the Lord, it was provided. He says, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. He's looking forward to that ultimate thing that God would provide, how God would provide his only son as a sacrifice for our sins. And in this very spot, indeed, it did happen. Verses uh, 15 to 18. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, and he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice." So Abram returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. And it's how, once again, the Lord comes to Abraham and again reassures, reaffirms that covenant. How many times have we read God giving this same blessing to Abraham? And you might say, well, why does God say it again? He, this is nothing different than what he said before. And indeed, it is nothing different. It's the same blessing that he gave to Abraham from the very beginning. But we see this every time that God tests Abraham, uh, every time Abraham's faith wavers, every time God comes to Abraham, he keeps giving him this word of promise, this blessing, this gospel message. And it's that constant, God constantly reminding Abraham of that promise. Every time Abraham falls down, God reminds him of 
his promises. Every time Ibram doesn't fall down, uh, like in this one, he makes it through the test, although maybe uh, pretty upset about it or, or whatever. It's hard to imagine the emotions roiling in, in Abraham's head and heart, you know, after this. But God comes to him again and reassures him with that promise. And so we see it is that it's that gospel, it's that those promises of God that build us up in the faith as well. It's not the law. It's not God's commands, do this, do that, which are going to give us the strength we need to serve God. But it's God coming to us with this promise again and again. And so often it's the same promise so that some people think, well, I've heard this before. I already know it. It doesn't matter if we've heard it before because we're so weak. We need to hear it again and again. And that's where the Lord's Supper is so important. Uh, so important to receive it. Uh, you know, we do it every month here, which is okay. But uh, how much better to receive it every week? I wish we did do it every week uh, because that's the Lord coming to us as he comes to Abraham to give us that promise. You know, every week we, we fail and <laughs> we go through uh, times of joy and sadness and depression and whatever. And we, we need that, that promise from God. And we, we receive that promise in other places other than the Lord's Supper. We receive it in his word and his gospel. And that's what we come to church for. Uh, so that we can be once again built up in that promise just as God appears to Abram here and builds him up as well. Reminding him of that promise uh, that through him would come the Messiah and that God is going to do what he promises. God always does what he, we don't always understand what God's doing, but we know like Abraham, the Lord will provide. We, we know that we can count on it. And above all, the Lord will provide the salvation. He has provided the salvation, his only son to save us from our sins and, and heaven is waiting for us. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school uh, story this week. I'm sorry I sent you the wrong lesson. Um, don't by all means don't skip this one. This is the this is an important one. This is a good one. So Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson this week. And as always, uh, send me an email or give me a call if you have any questions.